right, welcome back to my Cutlass Podcast family. We're on to another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. A quick shout out to my returning listeners, if you're one of those, and a warm welcome to any first-time listeners. If you are a first-time listener, I want to encourage you to please consider subscribing if you like what you hear so that you can get notified when new episodes come out. My podcast is on eight different platforms, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, and several others. So you can get uh, notified and follow if you find that's something you want to do. So as I've mentioned in the prior episodes, I'm currently pursuing kind of an incentive. Once we reach 16,000 total downloads, I'm going to randomly select and give away three signed copies of the Chief Petty Officer's Guide to one of my Facebook page subscribers, or three of them in this case. So you'll want to subscribe to my Facebook page at Cutlass Leadership Concepts. And then also take time to check out my website at www.cutlassleadership.com. When you go there, you'll find my Cutlass podcast, Cutlass Leadership blog, links to my Cutlass Classroom YouTube channel, which I've started recently, and information on how you can get books such as the Chief Petty Officer's Guide or pre-order the Petty Officer's Guide, which comes out in the spring of next year. So, all right, let's get into the next topic. So I figured I'd just freestyle and get into probably one of the last power bases that I haven't had a chance to discuss, and this is called your connection power base. And as you know, we've discussed other power bases, and you really start with developing those personal and expert power bases, showing that you can complete tasks without supervision. And then from there, once you can do that, you'll show that you can ask help from others to accomplish your responsibilities. So as you move up in the organization, you demonstrate that you can do things, you demonstrate you can work with a team, and then they're going to give you more complex tasks. Uh, you're going to get in the leadership positions, and then you're really going to have to be able to seek the help and use networks from other people. In the Navy, you know, specifically, we highlight this as the you know a big piece of being in the Navy cheese mess. Doesn't mean that first class petty officers, second class petty officers, or more junior people in any service can't do this, but we really focus on it at that level. I think it's important for younger leaders and managers to start thinking about their networks, even college you know, students that are in college, uh, NROTC or ROTC type students, understanding that, yeah, those, that involvement in that, those kind of organizations and in your fraternities or sororities is the building of your network power. Uh, so today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what connection power does for you, what networking can do for you. We're going to get into different types of networks that are out there. Uh, and then I'm going to just go down on like, here's the benefits that come down to being in these things, even if you haven't considered them. Yes, some come with a cost. Uh, so it is worth the, usually worth the investment to do those things. So, And then I'm going to get a little bit about how you participate or be a productive member in these organizations, right? You can be passive or you can be an actual contributing member and then get in a little bit about how to grow and manage and network, at least from my experience. So, all right, let's dive into first with the things that connection power does for you. So having connection power or a strong network does a lot of things for you, but three significant things it does are, number one, it connects you with other people who can expand and strengthen your information, your expert reward, and your course or power bases, which will help enable your influence tactics to increase your scope of influence and your ability to solve problems. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. Through your networks, you now have access to other people, have more experiences, they have access to more resources, they have access to people and information that you want or need. So through the relationships with people, as I mentioned earlier, you can go get help. So it actually you know, expands your own power bases through these other people. So it's a huge thing you can do. It's a huge thing you should leverage. But at the same time, you are contributing to, the, to these power bases, the other people that are in that network. So that's the first thing it does. 
Number two, it'll allow you to feel more satisfied and connected in your career, and it contributes to professional growth, advancement, and success. So you're in these tribes, right? And it may be by raiding community, it might be warfare, it might be trade, it might be profession, across the spectrum, not just inside in the military and out. There are these bodies of people with like experiences, like you know, professional pursuits that come together, that want to share knowledge, that want to get better, that want to be good professionals, and they stay connected with each other and changes that are happening within that professional or trade community. And then also, they're going to provide you resources that will go more into detail later that actually can give you information and access to things that can give you a professional edge and definitely help you with professional growth, advancement, and success. And then finally, it's going to diversify your leadership and management viewpoints and experiences. So as you get introduced to these new groups, you're going to learn, as you should know already, not everyone is like me. Everyone's going to come in with different experiences, different ways of handling problems, different way of navigating through situations. All those things are great resources that you can utilize. And in the Navy and the cheese mess, I definitely spent a lot of time just sitting down many times over a cup of coffee or off-duty time, just listening to people talk about their experiences and solve problems. Not every conversation had to be about me or a specific issue I was trying to handle. I could just listen and learn a lot from the experiences, uh, the viewpoints of others. So, uh, And then also you can go to those people for help to help you solve specific problems you're handling as well. And then it also helps you spread your personal and professional reputation as you're in these organizations. Great way that you can do that. So those are some of the advantages or the benefits of having strong connection power uh, and why you should be involved in building these. So you've got several types, right? So you've got, you know, let's start with your workplace networks and associations. So again, these all start small. So you might be assigned to a small team, a group of people, and kind of that's where it, it builds, right? Is you're going to work with that team together. Ideally, you're trying to solve problems together. You're sharing information, right? They've got experiences. They've got educational differences. They've got access to different resources you may not as a team, you'll do that. And then once, like I said, once you're confident and you know your stuff and you're contributing to, as a team member, then you may get take, put on the lead in specific tasks or specific projects. And then you're going to be able to go out and have to cross across departments and cross units and reach out to other teams, right? As you move up in organizations, the tasks get more complex. They, be, they require cross-organizational communication and collaboration to get things done. And you're going to really have to build your networks across. So you're going to have to learn things, what people do in finance, what people do in supply, what people do in medical, what people do down in engineering. You're going to have to understand all that, where they can help or where you can help them with these uh, networks. So that's the first one. And then within those workplace networks, there might also be uh, workplace associations so in the Chiefs Mess, you know, that's one, the Chief Petty Officer Association or the Junior Petty Officer Association if you're in the Navy. And other ones, there's probably internal associations. They're not professional organizations at that point, but they're they're internal uh, associations where people come together more towards camaraderie building, you know, and that kind of stuff. But uh, look for those and get informed of those. You'll typically see them posted, you know, on boards then in cafeterias and things like that. So check. Uh, and in college, it could be something as simple as study groups and those kind of things. So keep an eye out for those, and and I encourage you to join those. Then you've got your personal networks. So these are the people you know in your personal life, your friends, your family, acquaintances, and things like that. They're, you don't work with them, but you can seek advice from them. They can help you get access to information. Again, the same things apply. They have diverse experiences. They might be in a different field, but they handle similar problems. So you can learn from how they did those different things. 
So you'll have to put time into investing in your personal networks. And then finally, another type is this joining with these professional organizations or these alumni associations or organizations. So examples of this, you know, from the Navy side, you know, you got things like the Surface Navy Association, the American Society of Naval Engineers. You got the Naval Submarine League. You got the Fleet Reserve Association. You got Non-Commissioned Officer Association, the Navy League of the United States, Naval Institute, Society for Human Resource Managers. There's a ton of them. If you're in a professional field or organization, there's probably one out there for you, and they're going to give you great access and, to people and resources. So if you don't know what it is, then ask someone who's been in that career field, that trade, that profession for a while, and learn about what they are and what they offer. I'm going to go through that now. These organizations are usually not exclusive. Some do have some access requirements. Many don't. But membership and associated benefits is usually wide open and there for you. Um, so I'll check them out. On the military side or the Navy side, far too often I think we've considered these things like quote-unquote officer things, but they're really not. They provide benefits for you know enlisted naval or enlisted professionals across the services as well. So don't discount joining one of those things or considering joining. So here's some of the things that I've experienced or I know that you can benefit from these things. Number one, all of them have three general lines of effort. So one is this line of effort of some kind of professional advocacy. So they are in there advocating for improvements in your tech field, in your trade, in your profession. They're invested in advocating for safety requirements. In some cases, like the U.S. Naval Institute, they provide a forum where you can go in and write in professional articles and journals and contribute to the discussion or the debate or offer your insights in the conversation. In some cases, they're advocating for the readiness of that thing. So American Society of Naval Engineers wants strong naval engineers. Uh, you get into things like the Navy League. They want to advocate for a strong Navy and a connection to the civilian sector. So there is this arm of advocacy that goes on with these things. And you, it either gives you the opportunity to advocate, an opportunity to have a voice into a process or within your trade field. That's part of what your membership pays for is to enable the people that work there. Usually that advocacy is out, not outsourced, but there are people paid to, to take on that lead and that advocacy or do those things. So part of your membership is about paying those people and get them to advocate on your behalf. The second thing they do in general is there's an avenue to increase your professional development and affiliation and contribute to improving your profession or trade. I mentioned that earlier. So in many cases, you're going to get discounts on a variety of things. I'll cover these soon, but they really go towards making you more effective in your profession and really developing the competence that you have in your profession. And then the third thing they do is they serve. There's a networking fraternity kind of thing there. There's an alumni kind of feel to the organization. So again, this is the networking piece, right? You're going to be able to, through those networks or through the membership, you're going to now have access to the other people in these organizations. Again, I'll go with the Navy Chiefs Mess. You join, you're integrated into your unit Chiefs Mess. But one of the things you learn is that you've got access to any chief petty officer outside of those lifelines. So you start within the unit and then you build out, right? So I know within my division, within my department, then I go across department and then I know on the base I have other chief petty officers I can get access to to help me. And then eventually if you need it through through the worldwide network of the chief petty officer, you can engage and reach out to a chief petty officer worldwide to get, again, access to information, resources, help that you need to solve a problem. And I know if you know, we can all speak to many examples of that. And those chiefs that go through new chief selects going through initiation are going to learn 
that. And that's one of the things you're introduced to is this new professional network that helps you get your job done. That's why you're invested in those things. But then, you know, say you retire or you, you're out of your trade or profession and you still want to stay informed of what's going on. Membership in these organizations, a lot of them have newsletters, magazines, journals. They keep you involved and they keep you informed of what's going on in that. So that's another benefit. So I gave three general things, professional advocacy, an avenue to increase your professional effectiveness or help with your career success, and then this networking alumni line of effort. So let's get into specifics. There's gets, there's saves, and there's the gives that you get. Uh, and these vary by organization. So let's go through those. So some things you typically will see. So some of the gets you're going to get, you're going to get access to high ranking or influential leaders in the associated field or community. So in many cases, these organizations will host in-person or virtual speaking events. They'll get access to very you know significant people in their trade, their field, accomplished people. You know, in the military, you'll get access to perhaps political and policy level leaders or military leaders at the high levels, giving you a heads up on what's going on, what decisions they're making, what challenges, what policy changes are coming out. So that's one thing you get. In some cases, they're one-on-one. I've seen where these can be member benefits only, where they'll host, you know, a one-on-one discussion with a person, but you got to be a member to get access to that forum. So that's one thing that you get. Another thing they'll offer is kind of the exclusive subscriptions to professional magazines, journals, or some kind of archive information. So I'll take this from my experience with the U.S. Naval Institute. You join the Naval Institute, one of the big things you get is you get a subscription to Proceedings Magazine. So that's going to keep you in the know, like, hey, what's everyone writing about? What's the current things, you know, naval leaders and policy leaders are focusing on? What are the challenges to naval readiness? You get articles on leadership, articles on how to be a better manager, those kind of things. But we also, in the Naval Institute, you have access to archives. So you can go all the way back as far as they produce Proceedings Magazine and read any of those. So you can go back and get a sense of history. You can go, in many cases, they you know audio files and oral histories. Uh, there's just a lot of cool things that you can get access to. That's just that one specifically. But each organization is going to have their own thing. But you're going to get access to that journal or a discount on it. Again, this is information. These things strengthen your information power base that I've talked about. And they make you more informed and knowledgeable leader. And then you can take that information that you read about or have access to. And sometimes it's digital access. Maybe it's not a magazine per se. But then you take that information, you take it to your workspaces, and then you use it to start conversations. Or perhaps there's articles on how to be more effective in your trade or your job or your profession. You can take those in and use them as a training and education platform for your people. So those tools are not just meant to just sit around Use them to shape your teams. I've mentioned this. You get increased networking access to the organization's online job databases. So that's one of them in many cases. Hey, I've got access through this network to special job openings within my trade or profession. These are member benefits. That's why you pay for this stuff. So when you're thinking about, okay, they're asking me to drop $40, $60, $80, whatever it is for a one-year or three-year membership, you're actually getting value for that money, right? And a lot of people don't pause to think about it, but you are. So sometimes it's going to be access to inside information on jobs that are posting in a career field. That's a big deal. You're going to get opportunity to be invited to learning experiences, such as conferences, symposiums, and special events. Some of these are open for them, and your membership gets you a, either free access or a discounted access. And in some cases, you're going to get exclusive access to only member-only events, okay? And then 
other things, access to specific information, access to cutting edge things that are going in your field or your career, or access to meet hot influential people in person or other people and the opportunity to network with other people. So that's another uh, advantage you've got. Some offer discounts on professional courses and certifications that are relevant to your trade or your profession. So like the Society for Human Resource Managers, I know when you get qualified to be, you know, to get that certification, if you're a member of that, you get a discount on it. Um, and once you get certified and you join it, then again, all those all that alumni function kicks in and the ability to network with other professionals. So check those out and look for those. And then some of them give eligibility for member-only scholarships and awards. So again, heavily, this is that professional education, professional development piece. Sometimes it's, they offer... Like at a non-commissioned office association on the president for we offer a scholarship for dependents, but you have to be a member. So not just everyone has that opportunity. So it's a draw, but it's a specifically a member benefit. And then in some counts, you're going to get these other savings on a variety of things. And they could be all over the place. So you can get savings on like books, magazines, or credit cards and rental cars, insurance, college tuition. There's a whole bunch of things. All that stuff is typically going to be listed on the website. And usually there's a tab that talks about member and member, member benefits. Again, I want, I encourage you. It's well worth the investment of the money, but you've got to learn how to use your membership in these organizations and you've got to understand the value that these organizations bring. So consider checking out what's in your field, asking some people, and then just take some time, get online and check out what they have to offer. Talk to people who are members and consider doing it. And that's the professional kind of organization that works. Like I mentioned, at work, you're automatically in these groups and stuff. But over time, one thing you got to realize is your professional personal networks are going to expand. And as I mentioned, they reach beyond the confines of your team or your unit. So you're going to have to learn to manage them. So a couple things you got to think about is when you're in these organizations called a small team, call it your family tribe, whatever that network is that you, you're in and you're developing, there's expectations, right, that you contribute. So I like to package it as membership in these things is like being in a bank account, right? You can make withdrawals and you can make deposits, right? And people watch what you're doing in these organizations, especially the ones that are local at your at your team or your unit or your your, your workplace. They are resources for you, but you are also contributing. From time to time, you have to come into that network, come into that team and draw from it, right? You have to ask for help. You got to ask for resources. You got to ask for information. You might just want to vent to someone. They provide you that opportunity. And usually there's an understanding like, hey, when a fellow person in this network comes in, like, and it could be a sorority, a fraternity, it could be an active at your job place. There's an expectation that, hey, when I come for help, that I will stop and give you help, right? Within reason. But at the same time, they're expecting you to contribute as well. When people come to you for help or seeking advice or whatever, you got to be there. You got to be able to support. In many cases, you'll see when you join these organizations, there's some kind of creed that you sign on to. And it usually speaks to this concept of loyalty. And that's what they're really getting at. This isn't kind of secret squirrel mafia kind of stuff. Although mafias do do this kind of thing when you vouch in and do those kind of things. Again, that's not what we're after with the, the, the nature of this podcast and the stuff I'm after. But people will watch and see like, hey, this person makes a lot more withdrawals than they make deposits. And then you're going to see your credibility and your clout start to decline. And then when you go, right, you can end up overdrawn. And when you go to make withdrawals from that network, you can find that, 
uh, you're going to get denied or people might shut you out, right? So be very careful that you're contributing as much as you're taking and be mindful of your reputation and be getting feedback on how well you're contributing to those personal and professional networks that you're in. That's one thing I'll tell you about your behavior in those networks, right? You get a lot of benefits, but you got to contribute as well. So as you grow these networks, there's going to be things you're going to have to consider and think about, right? So in any kind of network, right, you could try to network with a thousand people. I don't know how effective that would be, right? You can do that on social media, but the depth of the relationships isn't going to be there. And really the strength of a network is is really built upon the strength of the, the personal relationships there, right? And that takes time. That takes time to develop that, just like with anything. It's going to take time to for you to sit down and demonstrate to your peers in that network that you've got competence and credibility and you've got character, right? Because that's when the trust will build. There's going to be a default like, hey, this person's in this network or in this organization. I'm going to support them when they come to ask, but don't get it wrong. They are judging you just like any anyone else would on your competence and your character. They're going to see if you're a contributing member, do you know your stuff? Do you give when you're going to say you're going to give? Do you support when you need to? When I come to you for information and you tell me something, is it valid or did you just send me off on a wild goo chase? And every time I come to you, you're telling me something and it's wrong. Competence, judgment down, credibility down. Or your character. Hey, you say you're going to do something, but you do stuff on the sly or you talk behind people's back about private conversations. You start doing that stuff. Character judgment's going down. Credibility's going down. And again, you can lose the trust you want. It's about strength of personal relationships that you got to maintain. So you got to take time to really invest. So before you start going after a thousand person network, you should probably start with about seven people that you have really good relationships with. And even for new chiefs, I tell them, start within your department, start within your command. So if you're out there trying to get charge books signed and you're running around the base with chiefs that you're going to see infrequently and you're passing over the chiefs that you're going to work with every day, you've got it gooned up. So you start with the networks that are closest to you and you build from there. And again, sitting down in an authentic way, learning about other people, right? Not just going to them, starting to ask for help, but getting a sense of who they are, what they're about. They learn about what you are, what you're about. That's really what it is about. And frankly, on the Navy side with chiefs and their charge books, that's what they're doing. Those charge books are really a vehicle to get you to sit down and introduce you to these new members of your network. Yeah, it comes with some other stuff, but that's really what it's about because you're being integrated into that network. So the bigger the network, the more relationships you have, and the more time you're going to have to invest. So I'm going to caution you to grow your network, but make sure you're growing it in a deliberate manner and that you've got the ability to maintain some kind of networks with these people that are in it. And again, start smaller and grow. So start with five to 10 key people. These are people that not only serve in your best professional interest, but they serve in your best personal interest, right? So they're going to inspire you. They're going to champion you. They're going to be a good support system, and they're going to provide that professional backup. These are the people you can go to and go, hey, you can expect them to be truth tellers to you and really back you up. So yes, they can offer you professional advice and resources and increase your expert power, your information power, reward power, and those things, but they also serve as a source of professional backup for you, and they give you that candid advice. And then once you've got that and you know who it is, Make sure you're being deliberate with the touch points with this small, effective network. Don't just talk to them to talk to them, but really find time with that small group. Like how often do you want to meet meet with them, right? Is it a, a daily touch point? Is it a weekly touch point? Is it a monthly, depending on where they're at? You can do that, right? And it doesn't have to always be face-to-face, right? It can be just a note on social media. It can be a phone call. 
or it can be a, just a catch up like, hey, let's catch up over coffee or a drink or something like that. With smaller networks, you should be at least touching and, and talking to these people in that way, having these touch points, professional touch points, at least weekly. In some cases, it's going to be daily, depending on how often you work together. Like usually you're going to, you're going to touch every chief and see them in every way, every day. But others, maybe the guys and gals that work on the base, you'll see less frequently. So you want to try to maybe engage with them on a weekly basis. And some you can only re, uh, meet monthly. So plan it out, right? Just just write it down and just commit yourself to, to having that relationship. And then again, when you can't meet personally on the phone or not, use that social media tools. Those come in, in handy as you can. And then the other thing you should do is like find some way to just do something for them, right? Don't go in always expecting what can they do for me. Just kind of do something for them, right? Pass them an article that you found is insightful and then you think they could benefit. Or if you see a resource or something like that, if there's a major family event or a birthday or a wedding or something like that, make sure you reach out. You show that you value the relationship and it's more than just what you can get out of it. You're investing and you're kind of continuing to nurture the character and competence and the credibility that goes with that relationship. Keep the network up to date. In the workplace, people are going to leave. They're going to go. They might go into different trades and professions. That doesn't mean you can't keep a personal relationship with these people. When it, when it comes to the professional side, you're going to have to know who's coming in, update that contact, right? Who came in behind this person, you know, in that area where you might need or seek help. So you're going to have to keep up to date. And like I said, expand it slowly outside the confines of your immediate space as you need to and where you see some kind of relevant stuff. And then also, finally, I'd say build beyond your comfort zone. So in many cases, I'll go again to my Navy experience here, you know, in the cheese mess, we're about the Navy cheese mess all day, but there's other organizations that I should be concerned about, right? So I should be within my warfare community. What can I be doing? Can I engage with the Service Navy Association? Can I be in the Submarine League? Tailhook, right? Perhaps the Naval Institute's a cool thing for me because I'm a big fan of writing and I want to support and champion this forum that the Naval Institute offers. Maybe I'm a naval engineer and I want to be in a society of naval engineers and broaden my scope. There's a lot of things that you can do, but go beyond your comfort zone or even seek organizations that are out in the civilian sector as well, the Rotary Clubs and things like that. Check those out and get outside of your, your comfort zone with that that day-to-day -day network of people that you hang out with. And I think you're going to find that you're going to learn a lot and you're going to get a lot out of this relationship and it'll broaden your perspective. I think that wraps it up for this episode. So I want to encourage you to take some time this week or reflect on your attitude towards networking and your involvement in a variety of networks. Like I said, it wasn't until after I retired when I actually started going, hey, what is the Non-Commissioned Office Association? What's the FRA? What's the U.S. Naval Institute? Right? All these things were out there all the time, but I never really took time to really seek them out. And frankly, no one came in and was coming in to introduce me to them and explain the value. So that's why I'd like to spend some time really getting into the value of these organizations. Because if someone would have had this conversation with me when I was on active duty, I would have joined you know, a couple of them. And my advice is just be in one, right? And if you're a Navy chief, got it. Be in your chief's mess or chief's association, but then get involved in your warfare community as well and look for something there. In many cases, if there's a civilian thing, you want to get involved in, do that. Uh, just again, just caution. You don't get overextended to where you can't contribute or effectively learn from those things. So, all right. I hope you found this episode useful. You can also check out chapter eight of the Chief Petty Officer's Guide, which is called Using CPO Mess Connection Power. That gets into specifically the Navy Chiefs Mess. But that concept applies whether you're in a, a different service or you're in a civilian organization or something like that. The concepts I present there just take out Navy chief and put whatever your trade or rating or profession is 
Uh, and I think you'll find some insightful stuff in there. And then I also built in a chapter in the upcoming Petty Officer's Guide that comes out in the spring to offer more information on the importance of networks and then how to successfully contribute to the ones you're in. And I recently did a YouTube video on my Cutlass Leadership Classroom or Paul's Cutlass Classroom YouTube channel. I did this version of, of that as well. I did just a, a first part. I need to do a second part on the managing the network. So if the video thing is more your take, then check that out uh, on the YouTube channel. So I'm Paul Kingsbury. Thanks again for joining me. Until next time, have a great week. Take what you've learned to become a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who makes a positive difference in your personal and professional life.